In today's show, we're going to be talking Minnesota Timberwolves with the host of the Locked On Wolves podcast, Ben Beacon. Michael Bolton, he is also here. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's show is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On sent you. We are here to talk Minnesota Timberwolves and of course to talk Minnesota Timberwolves. I'm joined by the host of the Locked On Wolves podcast. Ben Beacon is here with me. Ben, welcome back. And now you're we're having technical difficulties, and now your voice has just disappeared. So I'm going to try and fix whatever this problem is. How annoying. Oh, I think we got it. You know what? We do, in fact, got it. You are back. Ben, well, let's take two. How are you? Yeah. I'm great. How are you doing, Josh? Good, man. Good to have you back on the show as we are here to talk about the Minnesota Timberwolves for this upcoming season. Let's just bang straight into it because all the guests that come on, the first thing they have to do is they have to give me their opening night starting five. Let's go. Yeah, so uh, it certainly locks for the starting lineup are D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns. There's no question about that. I think Malik Beasley's a near lock. Um, I, I think it's very likely he's in the starting lineup. And Jaden McDaniels at the four, I think that's the most likely scenario on opening night. Of course, the second year forward, he was a late first-round pick last year. And I think it's I think it's likely he's the starting night uh, power forward or opening night starting power forward. I agree that this is the likely opening night starting five, but I'll pose you this question, Ben. Is it more likely... Like who's who's like if we say those other guys, Russell Edwards and Towns are all 100% locks to start. Yep. Who has a higher percentage of starting, Beasley or Ed, uh, or McDaniel's? I think it's Beasley. Uh, I think there's still a chance Torian Prince starts at the four. I, I think that's unlikely. If Jared Vanderbilt is signed, he's still a restricted free agent. There's always a chance that McDaniel's gets bumped to the bench. Uh, new head coach Chris Finch likes playing him at the three quite a bit as well. So there's a chance they bring him off the bench as kind of a, a swing forward. Um, and Van- Vanderbilt, who of course is is all defense, all rebounding, no offense, uh, is a really nice complement to Towns defensively and on the glass. So there's a chance that he starts at the four. Interesting. So I would have gone the other way personally because um, just having an extra yeah, a fourth high usage scorer type in there didn't make a huge amount of sense to me. Where you could have just thrown sure. in another like complete offensive zero, but a defensive player like a Joshua Kogi in there at the three, maybe even mm-hmm. Torian Prince, although he's not very good at all. But you could have put Joshua Kogi in there and then had Beasley run with more minutes and basically run that second unit alongside Patrick Beverly and Jared Vanderbilt as his defensive guys to, to go alongside. Um, but interesting, like I know obviously they've paid more money to Beasley and he's got that higher profile. Yep. On the team, yep. um, but in terms of fit, I, I could see it working working both ways there. Yeah, and I think the other wild card here, and we'll probably we'll get into the bench here in a minute, I'm sure. But Jalen Noel coming off the bench, he's somebody who they like running the offense as well. Um, so him kind of running that second unit with a defensive minded guy like Josh Kogi Noel is not a very good defender. Um, and Beasley, even though he is a he, you know, he scored 19 points a game. I think in a Wolves uniform over two partial seasons, he's he's scored nearly 20 points a game. 
Um, but he's not like your typical ball dominant guy, right? He's a catch and shoot guy. He scores a little bit in transition. Um, he's a pretty good cutter, but D'Lo, Anthony Edwards and Towns are going to be the ones initiating offense and Beasley is going to probably shoot nine threes a night. Um, and, uh, that's how he's going to get the majority of his points. So you're right that they're, uh, you know, whoever that fifth starter is, is never going to get any shots because of, of how high usage the other four guys are. But the way that Beasley goes about it is a little bit different than, um, certainly than Edwards and Towns, but also, uh, you know, he's, he's, more catch and shoot than even D'Angelo Russell. Well, let's go into talking about that bench rotation because it is a pretty interesting group that uh, they've put forward here. So tell us who you think that uh, five-man bench rotation, what it looks like at this point. Yeah, Patrick Beverly was just acquired to replace Ricky Rubio as the primary backup point guard, and he's a better fit for the roster than Rubio because, again, great catch and shoot guy, uh, fantastic defender, a little better than Rubio defensively. Uh, Jalen Noel is really intriguing, a third-year guy. Um, he should be, he's was above 40% three-point shooter, both in college and the G League, and just hasn't quite gotten there in the NBA, but he is really talented offensively, and I think he's a bit of a dark horse this year um, on the on the roster. Josh Akogi, you mentioned defensive uh, stalwart, Torian Prince, um, you know, kind of mediocre on both ends of the floor, was just acquired this offseason. Then Nas Reed is a really promising backup five, um, who I think fantasy-wise last year when Towns was out, did fairly well, yeah. um, and he's somebody who could play uh, backup five, and also also some minutes at the four next to the towns. Yeah, they played him at the four a little bit last year. Like now, mm-hmm. if everyone's healthy, there's probably less minutes available for him to do that this year. But the interesting thing, the, the one that, that I'm a, a little bit curious on there is Noel. Um, because he, not Noel, uh, is it, it, I'm getting myself confused with Nerland's Noel. J- Jalen Noel. No, that is right. Sorry. Yeah. Completely yep. ignore whatever I just said there. He's <laughs> a guy who does, when guys get injured and he needs the ball, he comes in and he can play almost like that Malik Beasley sort of role where he comes in yes. and he can be high volume. He, he can't do really huge amounts else, but he can be an offensive option. Um, but there are a couple of names, or at least one name in particular, who you, we haven't included here in this bench unit, which we're going to talk about a little bit later on. But that, that could change that group. And I think out of those five bench guys, maybe you disagree. The first one out of that bench rotation probably is Noel. Yeah, I think that's probably true. I think it depends on how the rest of the offseason shakes out. The Wolves still have two restricted free agents. Actually, they're the only team with with any RFAs still out there, um, or non-two-way restricted free agents, I should say. And uh, Jared Vanderbilt and Jordan McLaughlin, and both of those guys would vie for for bench minutes. But they do really like Noel. Um, and Chris Finch has talked highly of him. They had him working on his his initiating the offense in, in summer league. Um, I think he's the type of guy, and he's he's on a he was a second round pick that signed a four year deal. Um, so I really think that he's somebody who I think you're right. If they sign McLaughlin and Vanderbilt, he's probably out of the rotation to start the year. Um, but he's somebody who, you know, another catch and shoot guy, especially with the rest of this bench unit, you know, Beverly can catch and shoot. He's not creating offense. Okogie's not creating offense. Torian Prince is another catch and shoot guy. Um, you know, Nas Reed can do a fraction of what Towns can do offensively. Um, so that's one of the issues with this bench unit is there just isn't a ton of actual scoring punch. Um, and you mentioned Beasley possibly running with the bench. I think Anthony Edwards is going to probably initiate some yeah. offense with the bench unit as well, just because I think he'll play the most minutes on the team this year. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a unique bench unit um, in that it's got some some shooting ability and some defense, but there's not a whole lot of offensive you know initiation or creation uh, out of this five-man unit. Before we get into the rest of stuff about the Minnesota Timberwolves, I've got to tell you about Sweatblock. It is the doctor-created and doctor-recommended clinical antiperspirant that helps solve all those excessive sweating issues. If you suffer from that or you know someone does, you know how embarrassing it can be, whether you're at work, at school, out in a social situation, and you've just got big, dark pit stains. No one wants that. Sweatblock has the dry shirt guarantee. If it doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. 
And you can get that now for 20% off at sweatblock.com, but only if you use our promo code Locked On. These things, you, you wipe it on before you go to bed, wake up the next morning, you have your shower, you go to work, you go to school, you do whatever you need to do, and it will cover you for up to seven days. Maybe it's a twice-a-week application, but this is not something you're doing every day. This is long-lasting clinical strength antiperspirant. So you can buy from Amazon, you can buy from CVS, but hey, use our promo code and save 20% off at sweatblock.com. That is the answer to all of your excessive sweating hyperhidrosis needs. And if you have played daily fantasy sports in the past, you might know that sometimes it can be really hard to win. Up to 85% of people don't win playing daily fantasy sports. Is that surprising? You're going against experts who have more time and more tools and all that stuff to go against you and, and to make you lose. Introducing Stat Hero. It's the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the player in control and winning within reach. Here's how it works. Stat Hero shows you their lineups and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house in a head-to-head fantasy matchup. You name your stakes. Winner take all. You have the advantage because you see Stat Hero's lineup. It's right there in front of you. And you can build your squad to beat their lineup. You're in total control. Stat Hero is DFS the way it is meant to be, one-on-one. Play Stat Hero now and change the odds. So go to stathero.com slash locked on. Sign up for free. And right now, you can get three times back on your first play. They are giving you a 300% match. That is unheard of. Go to stathero.com slash locked on. Stathero.com slash locked on. Let's do an injury update now, Ben. Uh, Anthony Edwards had some ankle problems. Um, is he Is he good to go? He is. Uh, I think about two weeks. He was playing on the the Team USA Select, uh, the basically the young guys who were who were running against Team USA in Las Vegas before the Olympics, and he uh, sprained his ankle there. About two weeks after that, that he posted a video of himself doing backflips off a boat on Lake Lake Minnetonka in the Twin Cities. So I think uh, it, and the Wolves basically said, yeah, you know, if this were the season, he'd probably be out there. But like we're taking this careful, so he should be good. Uh, should be good to go. Any comments from Anthony Edwards about how he was um, going to be better than Greg Luganis at uh, at diving? Uh, I'm sure if you asked him, he would. <laughs> if he knew who that was, he would say yes. He would absolutely say yes. Yeah. <laughs> Every Anthony Edwards interview is uh, it's a real journey. It's phenomenal. It's, it's high yeah. comedy and it is absolutely fantastic. But the other one, Malik Beasley had a hamstring problem at the end of last season. We don't expect that to linger into camp or anything. No. And and, I mean, it was season ending. It was in like mid March. And so he missed the final couple months of the season. Uh, But, but the expectation is he'll be good to go for training camp. So that's, you were looking pretty healthy, which is, which is great news. Of course, it's not going to stay that way all season. People are going to get hurt and people are going to suffer injuries and all that sort of stuff. But at this point, we're looking ready to go for the beginning of the season. All right. First, well, not first question, but question here for you. We've alluded to it. We've mentioned it in passing. We've sort of talked about it. Let's really get to it. Um, As, as, uh, is Minnesota paying Gerson Rosas? Has he got his phone bill sorted out? Like, has he got any connection? Because why is the Minnesota Timberwolves roster still just missing a bunch of players? Why is Jared Vanderbilt still not signed? Why is uh, Jordan McLaughlin still not signed? Why is... Everyone seems to know this is going to happen. Leandro Balmaro is coming over, the first round pick from last season, to sign his contract. Why is he not signed? What is What's Minnesota waiting for? I'm not really sure on Bomaro. I think everybody knows he's signing. The Wolves have even, Rosas has basically said it without saying his name, and he was in town a couple of weeks ago. So the, the thought is it was crossing T's and dotting I's. Uh, the, my hunch is that they're trying to maintain some flexibility in case they're able to pull off a Ben Simmons deal. Um, but we all know the probability of that happening before the season. Well, I shouldn't say we, we know that it's low because it seems to change every day, that, that, you know, whichever way the wind blows. But I think they're maintaining some flexibility. Uh, there aren't very many teams with cap space yet or left yet, so or anymore, I should say. So 
I don't know where else Jared Vanderbilt and Jordan McLaughlin are going. Um, oh, yeah. I think the most likely scenario is a multi-year deal for Vanderbilt here soon. I'm not really sure why it's taking so long. McLaughlin last year waited out the whole thing and it was training camp before he re-signed another two-way deal with Minnesota. Of course, he can't sign a third one. So I think it's pretty likely they're both back. You know, poor McLaughlin's going to probably have to sign a vet minimum deal. Vanderbilt, I think, will get multiple years. Um, but yeah, it, it is a little bit weird. They've got the roster spots to bring those guys back. They just did the two-for-one trade when they traded for Patrick Beverly, so they cleared another roster spot there. Um, I, I think I think uh, all three of those guys end up being signed. It just just hasn't happened yet. They've only literally got 11 people on the books at the moment. They've got a, and yeah. pl- plus the two two-ways, but they've got 11, 11 fully guaranteed contracts. So the, you expect those three, Balmaro, uh, McLaughlin, and Vanderbilt, to take those last three spots. See, that's why you know, over at Basketball Monster, when I've done all the Wolves projections, I'm including those three three guys there, but it just hasn't happened. We just don't have the full details on those guys coming back. So yeah, out of out of that group, Almaro, Vanderbilt, and McLaughlin, we talked about you know, Noel perhaps being the first man out of that rotation group. Who do you think is the first in out of that group? Would I would have thought that it would be Vanderbilt who would come in, whether he starts or he comes off the bench and Prince pushes mm-hmm. down to the three and a Kogi to the two. I think McLaughlin, with the presence of Balmara and Beverly, is probably going to find it harder to to get those regular roles. Do you think it is Vanderbilt that pushes in, or is Balmara a chance to to you know, impress and take some of those minutes at the the one, two, and three in that backup unit? I agree with you 100%. I think Vanderbilt is the first one in. And I, as I said off the top, and you mentioned, I think there's a good chance he starts um, and McDaniels comes off the bench. But I think he's in. They love his toughness. They love his tenacity. He's the second best rebounder in the team next to Towns by almost any metric. Um, and, you know, he's a he's a, a essentially a net negative offensively, but he's so good in terms of energy, toughness, defensive uh, defense, rebounding. Uh, I think he's certainly in the rotation. I think Balmaro by the end of the season, will be. Um, as you mentioned, he's got positional flexibility. He's a really solid defender. He's a, a smart player and he plays hard. Um, the Timberwolves for years have struggled with uh, fighting through screens and point of attack defense. And that's something that Balmaro is, he's an absolute pest defensively. And uh, hes he shot the ball well this last year too uh, in Europe. So I think there's a pretty good chance he ends up in the rotation, but they'll likely ease him into it. So I, I would certainly think that, that Vanderbilt is the first in of those three and McLaughlin would be would be the last in. So you've obviously done a little bit of work on Balmaro. To me, he is, yeah, he's he's six seven, like point guard, shooting guard sort of player. Mm-hmm. To me, he is the guy that can produce the things that Jarrett Culver was supposed to produce on this team. Is that how you would envisage what his role could be as a bigger ball handler with defensive ability? And you know, you hope the shot can come along, as you said, as it improved in Europe this year. Is that the sort of player that you think that he can be? The the idealized version of what Culver was supposed to be. Yes, I think that, and that's, there's a reason Gerson Rosas drafted Jarrett Culver's. He wants a big ball handler that can be solid defensively. Um, you know, Balmaro's not, he's not a, he's not a poor athlete by any means, but Jarrett Culver is a very good athlete. So that would be the one difference. And I think Balmaro's shot is, it looks a lot better, certainly than Jarrett Culver's. And he's a, a better free throw shooter. And there's reason to believe he's going to be a better shooter than Culver was hopefully the last two years. God, uh, it wouldn't so. take much. Yeah. Um, so, but yes, I think it's very similar. I think that's the type of player that Rosas covets and values and wants somebody, you know, uh, uh, I mean, the, yeah, he, he wants the big playmaker who, who can be a two-way guy, be, be versatile, almost a point forward type, um, a creative player. I think he checks all those boxes. Next question. We saw Chris Finch come in in the middle of last season. Uh, taking over from Ryan Saunders. So he didn't have an off-season to implement his system. We've seen Finch in the past for his stops as an assistant coach put the ball in the hands of big men quite a bit. 
um, you get that sort of playmaking going. And we did start to see that more with Kyle Anthony Towns. One of my criticisms with Ryan Saunders over the over the years had been that you know, you've got this dynamic offensive player who's legitimately one of the best shooting centers of all time, and he's just not giving him the ball anywhere near enough. And I think we saw when Finch came in that Towns got the ball a little bit more. We got a little bit more playmaking out of him. But now we've got a full offseason, full offseason, a full training camp. Do you expect to see that sort of part of the offense and Towns' game be really ramped up and using him as a... Yeah, the, the obvious thing to say is Nikola Jokic, like as a point center sort of player. Do we expect his playmaking and his usage and his basically being the center point of the offense in that way, being ramped up with a full off season under Chris Finch? Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned Jokic. Uh, I don't think it's, um, and these are, are not putting words in your mouth. I, I don't think it's a lazy comparison either. Um, and I know that's not what you said, but like if Finch was in Denver um, and, and yeah. certainly Towns is nowhere near the passer of Jokic, but Towns is still probably a top, I don't know, six or seven passing big man in the league, wouldn't you say? Top five, maybe? Yeah, I, um, no, I'd say that's, he's be- better than that. Like, I'm not really sure who else is. Yeah, Sabonis, Jokic. Yeah. I'm not really, yeah, it, not it, really sure who else. And that's... That just tells you how good Jokic is, um, because I think he's head and shoulders above Towns in terms of passing ability. But if Towns can replicate a fraction of what Jokic does, he's obviously a much better shooter um, and a better all-around offensive player in terms of scoring the ball. Um, yeah, I think I think Finch wants to use Towns like they did with Jokic. I think Finch was only in Denver for a year with Jokic, but he was also in New Orleans when they had both Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins for however long they stayed healthy together. Finch was the associate head coach there, coordinated the offense, um, and... I think he wants to, that's part of the reason, and you mentioned this earlier, we saw Nas read at the four a little bit too. I think he sees the possibility of playing a bigger lineup and using those guys together and doing a little bit of what they did in New Orleans with with Cousins and Davis. Uh, but I think, yeah, by and large, you're going to see Towns, uh, they're going to run a lot of horn sets with Towns at an elbow. They're going to run a lot of uh, kind of a mid-post, uh, you know, free throw line extended. He, he did this a lot last year. And actually, they ran a lot more of Towns in the low post late last season than Saunders was doing, certainly. Um, and Finch talked about this in an interview this offseason about how basically, yeah, the low post game is a little bit of a lost art, but if you've got a guy who's good at it, there aren't very many guys that defend it very well anymore either. So why would you not you know, key in on that a little bit? So we're going to see Towns initiating from the perimeter. We're going to see him back to the basket in the low post. We're going to see him a lot uh, in in the middle of the floor because he can step out and shoot the three with with just uncanny efficiency. He can also shoot it from the mid-range. He can drive to the basket. Um, I think he's going to be the guy that everything runs through from a variety of different places on the floor. Yeah, I think Towns is back to uh, an all-star this season. I'm really excited Mm -hmm. to see what, what he is going to do. All right, question for you, Ben. Everyone who comes on this podcast, if it's the corresponding day, gets asked this question. Do you know how to fix your own car? I do not know. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Another one in the group who does not know how to fix their own car. But if you did know how to fix your own car, you do know where to go and get parts for it, correct? Absolutely, I do. Yes. You go straight to rockauto.com. There's no point going to a local chain auto parts store or worse, a car dealership. What would you want to do that? And spend time waiting spending more money and getting often intimidating questioning. That's garbage. We don't need to deal with that. You can access rockauto.com on your phone, on your computer, and you can save yourself money because the prices are always reliably low. Rock Auto is a family business. They've been serving do-it-yourselfers online for over 20 years. So whether it's brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, or even new carpet, Rock Auto has you covered. So go to rockauto.com. Find all the parts available for your car or truck. And in there, how did you hear about us box? This is really important, right? Locked on so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, last question for you here, Ben. Is Anthony Edwards or D'Angelo Russell 
the number two option on this team, or you might even disagree. I, I'm just saying Towns is number one. You might disagree and say, no, look, Edwards is number one. Like who is, because this is the consternation I guess fantasy people have is like, where's the ball going between Towns and Russell and Edwards mm-hmm. and throw Beasley in there. So what's like the offensive hierarchy pecking order? Because we didn't get to see, like when Edwards really took off at the end of last season, Russell was coming off the bench behind Rubio as he returned from injury. Beasley was out without hamstring injury. So we haven't really seen all of these guys work together. So how what's the pecking order? Do you, do you think, how do you think it's going to look this season? Yeah, I, I think uh, you're right. Towns is, is number one. Um, I believe in terms of uh, the way that they're going to game plan on a nightly basis, Anthony Edwards is going to be the guy that gets the next most shots. Um, I say that at the end of the year, I mean, who knows? Because D'Angelo Russell is going to, he's going to get his, but they're going to call more plays or I should say they're going to initiate more offense. I truly believe through Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns than they will with D'Angelo Russell. They're going to, uh, D'Angelo Russell's going to play a lot more off the ball. Um, we saw that a little bit last year and that was the goal with him and Rubio, but the timing never really worked well with them. Um, and I think D'Lo is such a good catch and shoot player. Um, the Wolves want to run everything through Carl Anthony Towns and the idea of an Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns pick and roll or Edwards dumping the ball to Towns at the elbow in a horn set and then cutting to the basket and getting a pass from Towns so much more dynamic. And D'Angelo Russell is a great offensive player, obviously. And Honestly, he'll probably be more efficient than Edwards this year. He's just a more he's just a better shooter at this stage in their careers. Um, but it's so much more dynamic to have an Edwards and Towns two man game, and then have D'Lo standing in the corner or on the wing and available to catch and shoot. Um, he doesn't. He's not the threat with the ball in his hands getting to the basket, right? I mean, he's more of a floater mid range guy. Edwards can score at all three levels, um, and to have D'Lo in the corner is scarier than Edwards in the corner because D'Lo is a better shooter. Um, so I think they're all going to get theirs, and there's going to be nights where D'Lo is the crunch time guy. Um, but I think especially early in games, you're going to see a lot of Edwards initiating Edwards, getting his um, and towns generated offense or, or offense. I should say flowing through towns with Russell kind of more off the ball until late in the game when we may see more D'Lo, you know, the ice in his veins thing in, in clutch time. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that all works. Again, we're so interrupted with coaching changes and injuries all last season that we still don't have, a, and Edwards, of course, yeah, sucking to begin the year and then really coming on as the season went on. It's going to be a really interesting season in Minnesota. Chris, not Chris, Chris Finch. Ben, I think that there is a real chance that this team pushes for at least a play-in berth this year. Um, so it is going to be pretty exciting times. Is that the expectation with this team? Yeah, um, we still don't know how the rest of the offseason shakes out, but provided there's obviously no no major you know Simmons trade or anything like that. Yes, I think this team should be uh, you know eight, nine, ten seed in the West um, because I think the thing folks are forgetting nationally is this team hasn't played together. And I mean, Carl Anthony, there's so much talent on this team, and if Anthony Edwards is is half of what people seem to think he is. This team's going to be really good this year, um, and uh, and by that I mean they're not going to be a lottery team. Um, I think they're going to be in that eight, nine, ten range in the West. It's going to be really interesting. Of course, Ben will have it covered for us all over on Locked On Wolves throughout the season and in the off season. So when Gerson Rosas finally works out the uh, phone number for Jared Vanderbilt's agent, we can figure out when those guys are getting signed. Ben, thanks for coming on Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Absolutely, thanks for having me, Josh. And that'll do it for today's show. Don't forget, follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. But if you're here on YouTube, thumb up, right up the middle. Stick it right up. Ring the bell. Just a nice, gentle little flick on that bell. Hit the subscribe button. You're never going to miss an episode. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.